listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Well, as the calendar marches on and the Masters concludes, watch how quickly the NFL weaves its way back into the news as we are just 19 days away from the 2021 NFL Draft, replete with storylines and, yes, live from the great city of Cleveland, Ohio. And I mean that, Cleveland, the Flats, Burke Lakefront Airport, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, home of the Cuyahoga Sunset, and, of course, some of the greatest fans in the world. And on that note, welcome back to another award-winning edition of Straight Out of Vegas, the weekend adaptation. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Tonight, I will set the record straight on the potential fate of Deshaun Watson and help you understand some of the terms being bandied about, and I will interpret for you what they mean from the perspective of someone who covered the NFL for 10-plus years. In about 15 minutes, we'll be joined by Todd Dewey. He's a sports betting columnist for the Las Vegas Review-Journal, and he'll take us behind the counter and bring us up to date on what's happening in the world of the sports book. Later on, after Bruin Finley's update, I will share with you why the 49ers are so high on a certain quarterback and why there's a 65% probability Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch take him with the third overall pick. And, of course, we close down the show with Mackinac Sports. Plenty of data to stretch your mind like a pretzel. Really interesting angles with respect to the Masters Day 4. Sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They're a shared experience. As such, people want to talk about them. You've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. This is Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. And as they say in Zach Parisi, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. All right, with March Madness in the rearview mirror, the Masters winding down in well, Major League Baseball, what's out of the blocks? Many of us, well, we're starting to turn our attention to the NFL draft, which begins two weeks from Thursday, and for good reason. See, because now... Next week, I'm going to make some bold predictions about who certain teams might draft and why this particular draft might look different than any other in history. But tonight, I want to focus on something different. You see, when the draft is over, the march towards actual NFL team activities will speed up. There will be mini camps, OTAs, training camps, preseason games, well, then, of course, the regular season which will lead to an inevitable day of reckoning for one Derek Deshaun Watson. And while I'm not going to try to convict Watson in the media, what I will do tonight is focus on where this might shake out and what options Roger Goodell has at his disposal should the NFL elect to take action. And if through some unforeseen event, this all goes away in the next three weeks and Watson resumes his stance, digs in, and in fact never shows up to Houston Texans headquarters like he said he would Again, I will tell you what that might actually cost him in the pocketbook. In the meantime, I want to unpack some simple terminology that's floating in the air and set the record straight on things like the personal conduct policy, the exempt list, and what a potential suspension could be. See, every day I hear someone say, well, Goodell put Watson on the exempt list. Let me answer this one first. The exempt list is a special player status situation available to clubs only when they find themselves in unusual circumstances. And the list includes players who've, well, they've been declared by the commissioner to be temporary exempt from counting within the active list. But see, since there are no official team activities or mini camps or team meetings or practices or games right now, well, there's really nothing to exempt him from. 
Now, that could change after the draft, which, like I said, is two weeks away. So if Deshaun Watson is, in fact, criminally charged, he could end up on the exempt list, and that would be the ultimate irony. Here's why. Watson, if on the exempt list, would not count on the 53-man Texans roster, and he couldn't participate in any team function, but he would still be paid his salary while exempt from playing. So the guy who said he would never play another down and currently finds himself in hot water might still end up cashing game checks if, and that's not the ultimate irony in this whole saga, that I I don't know what is. But again, I don't know any player that's been put on the exempt list when when there were no games being played. I mean, there have been players that have stayed away. and I'm not going to go down that road and play Stump the Schwab here. I'm merely saying that the NFL doesn't need to exercise that option right now because there's really nothing to exempt him from. But we'll see. This is a COVID-2021 oddball universe, bizarre world, so I suppose anything's possible. But i got to say, when I hear that, it doesn't add up to me. Now let's talk about the personal conduct policy. The personal conduct policy, well, that's a vehicle created by Roger Goodell. It's designed to deal with players who've engaged in what you would consider conduct detrimental to the league as such. It's it's for players who've been deemed to have compromised the integrity of the NFL or called into, the, into question the public trust as it pertains to behavior. Now, let's be clear. The policy is rooted in PR. It's rooted in image. It's all about protecting the shield. Goodell, in a perfect world, he wants the image of the NFL to be pristine. And under the NFL's since-enhanced personal conduct policy, there's now a baseline suspension of six games without pay for many various violations. So conduct by anyone in the league that's illegal, violent, dangerous, irresponsible, that would potentially put an innocent victim at risk or damage the reputation of others in the NFL or something that would undercut the public respect or support for the NFL, well, they are subject to suspension. And as I said, the baseline punishment is now six games. Just ask Ezekiel Elliott. And yes, I know it was reduced. That's because Jerry Jones sued the league, and that's another story for another day. But the ideology is simple behind the personal conduct policy. Goodell wants his players to be people of high character. He wants them to show respect for others, not only inside the workplace at the NFL, but outside the workplace. He's demanding that players conduct themselves in ways that favorably reflect not only on themselves, but the teams they play for, the communities they represent, and, of course, the NFL Shield. Now, see, this is the dilemma in which I believe Deshaun Watson finds himself, and what I believe is the most likely outcome, based on what we know today, that is to say, barring something unforeseen, I believe there's a high probability Deshaun Watson will receive a six-game suspension to be served at the start of the 2021 season. Now, even if none of this had ever happened, (laughs) this upcoming season was shaping up to be a boondoggle for Deshaun Watson. So I want to take a minute to share with you what would have been the full scope of the financial consequences if Watson had exercised his right under the CBA to just say, I'm not playing in 2021. First, first, if the 2021 season had a mandatory minicamp, and if Watson skipped it, he'd be subject to fines in the amount of $93,000. Second, 
If Watson skipped training camp, he'd be fined 50000 per day. So with 40 days in camp and six mandatory days off, that's 34 days that Watson would miss, a total of $1.7 million. Get your calculators out, get your abacus out, work with me. It gets better. Third, Watson would be fined the amount of a regular season game check for each preseason game he misses. So at a base salary of $10.5 million, that's 620000 per game. So if, as expected, as he said he was going to do, the 2021 season, which will have three preseason games, and Deshaun Watson decided to stay home, he'd lose another $1.9 million. So for the offseason, training camp, and preseason, Watson, he'd only be about $3.7 million in fines in the hole if he didn't show up, like he said he wasn't going to. Now let's get to the regular season. If Watson then skipped the 2021 season, and if, well, it looks like the NFL is going to stage 17 games, he'd lose another $11.2 million in base salary. On top of that, skipping the season. Well, that would allow the Texans to recover Watson's signing bonus allocation for 2021. That's $5.4 million in money that he'd have to return. So if you do the math, skipping 2021 would spark a total financial loss of $20,213,000. And how was your day? And now skipping the full year would also take a real toll on on Watson's overall contract. See, because if then he returns to 2022, his base salary would then remain $10.54 million. See, currently he has a base salary which would have jumped to $35 million. And that's only based on 16 games if none of this would have ever happened. You know, maybe they would have checked with him before they decided who they might draft and that whole diatribe wouldn't have happened. Seems like that's all in the background now. now that salary would move to 2023, the $35 million, And Watson would make more than $24 million less in 2022 than he's currently due to earn. That's if he doesn't show up. Now, many people believe Deshaun Watson doesn't really care about the money. Well, and ultimately, it's his decision. Because under the CBA, Deshaun Watson has the absolute right to skip the season. Subject to, you know, various fines and forfeitures I just shared with you. A time will tell whether this comes to that. See, until all this Michigas happened, the Texans seemed to be intent on rejecting all offers and waiting Watson out. And it wasn't that long ago this whole thing started because Deshaun Watson didn't trust his employer. Now, can Watson and or can Deshaun Watson's employer trust him? You know, trust is a funny thing. It takes years to build, mere seconds to destroy, and forever to repair. Trust is very fragile. It's easy to break. It's easy to lose. One of the most difficult things to ever get back. It's just human nature. Now, none of that really seems to matter. You know, Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. Up next, Todd Dewey, the sports betting columnist of the Las Vegas Review Journal. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the far. Check that. 
I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted to. Don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! The great Bernie Fratto, folks. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Let's welcome in a gentleman. He's currently the sports betting columnist for the Las Vegas Review Journal. A very popular guy in town, a very good friend of mine, and he's had a long career, including when he used to cover games back at Foley Field with Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Let's say hello to Todd Dewey. Todd, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> I'm doing well, Bernie. Thanks for having me. So one of the f- things uh, folks have been asking uh, for quite a while, uh, including uh, my good buddy Arnie Spanier, is what the handle would look like when sports really sort of returned fully. And March Madness felt the most normal, even though it was played in a quasi-bubble. But I know the handle was pretty brisk, and I know we won't know, Arnie, or check that, uh, Todd, until, uh, until the you know, Gaming Commission uh, releases the numbers at the end of the month. But what have you heard so far in terms of what the handle was for March Madness? Yeah, well, it was a really good handle, a lot of action, a lot of six-figure bets um, back at, at BetMGM in particular, which takes a lot of six-figure bets. But overall, the handle was still down from uh, the last tournament in 2019, but that was only because uh, March Madness, the tournament's such a big tourist event here in Vegas, and the casinos and sports books, as you know, are still at 50% capacity for the tournament. So the handle itself, the amount bet on it was down from 2019, but the the books won more money this year than they did in 2019. And the first three days of the tournament, at least over at MGM, they told me it was the, the, the best three days they've ever had on the first three days of the tournament. And uh, mainly because the dogs, cashed in big time uh, the first three days, 24 and 15 against spread, 16 outright upsets, and a lot of unders too. So since the masses like to take the favorites and the overs, the books uh, really cashed in did well. I appreciate you clarifying. i got to give Jay Cornegay over at the Westgate Super Bowl credit. He predicted that they would probably fall just short because, as you pointed out, Todd, it's a retail event, and folks come here to Vegas uh, and I, I know that the handle in 2019 was $346 million. I know how – or I guess I'll be curious how close we actually come to that this year. I'll get that number from you in a couple of weeks. Uh, but to your point, it was a very solid event. W- one other thing, too, so folks know, one of the reasons I thought, Todd, we could maybe catch that record is there's a pretty substantial p- uh, percentage of folks here in Nevada now betting from sports apps from their phones. They don't have to leave their living room. Talk about that for just a second and what percentage of action now comes from an app. Yeah, it's probably uh, more than 50%, and uh, and it keeps climbing uh, that, that more and more people just bet over the, on their phones, and it's just so much more convenient for everybody. They can just sit in the comfort of their own home and bet on the phone. They don't have to actually be at the book. But and that's become only more popular, of course, during the pandemic. Uh, you know, works out perfect where people could just bet from home. And you know, in some states, in New Jersey, it's just all uh, online, yes. and and there's more action on the on the apps back there because out here in Nevada, actually, that you still have to sign up for the app in person 
at the books. So that's restricted it a little, even even though the numbers keep rising, it, it will be even uh, bigger if if hopefully they they pass the law out here where where you could just sign up remotely for the apps. But but definitely during this pandemic and just in general, just because of the convenience, yeah, every everybody bets on their phones and. And uh, it just makes it so much easier and definitely uh, accounts for more than half the handle uh, at most of the books out here now. Talking with Todd Dewey, sports betting columnist of the Las Vegas Review Journal. Todd, a, a very interesting day for the Masters is, is shaping up nicely with Hideki Matsuyama and the nice lead. But there's some guys behind him, and I understand they, they released a new set of odds today for the people chasing him. What's the action been on the Masters, and what do you anticipate the action for day four? Yeah, the action's been outstanding uh, for the Masters, talking to the books around town. It's always the biggest bet golf major, golf tournament period of the year, and uh, they have it up you know, all year long, and so it generates tons of action in the futures book. And then they, they keep the in-play odds going, and uh, they update the odds after – each round and they have matchups uh, each round for the whole uh, tournament. So there's no shortage of stuff to bet on. And yeah, Matsuyama was 60 to one heading into the tournament. People (laughs) have bet on him for years, but they finally stopped betting on him. He'll be a great result for the books out here uh, because he he hasn't won in four years. So figures that once the guys stop backing him, uh, He's in position to win here, but but yeah, he he's at minus one twenty favorite now heading into tomorrow with the four shot lead, and you get the four guys that are four shots back. Uh, I was Xander Schauffele and uh, Justin Rose and Zalatoris and Leishman. Um, forgive me if I didn't pronounce all those uh, perfect there, but uh, Xander's uh, plus four fifty as the second choice. Rose and Zalatoris uh, ten to one, and Leishman. 11 to 1. Speeth is at 16 to 1, a little further back. Yes, I noticed that. Speeth at 16 to 1. And look, a, a four shot lead is big, but it's not insurmountable day four. And so uh, it should be, should be fun to watch. Uh, we're speaking with uh, Todd Dewey, sports betting columnist for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Todd, uh, as we look ahead, uh, the next big thing on the docket are NFL draft props. And. Uh, I know that obviously, you know, it's it's a type of event where it's not going to get the same handle that you're going to find on other major sporting events, but the books have gotten progressively more creative and there's been more and more products over the years. Uh, one of the props that caught my eye was would there be first uh, would the first four uh players drafted be NFL or be quarterbacks? And at one point, that was 16-1. to 1. I haven't seen that on the board. Did they take it off, or am I missing something? I'm not sure. I was trying to look up some props today, but I saw that William Hill has, uh, like, 22 different NFL draft props. I didn't see that one in particular, but they did have a, a, an over-under total. Total quarterbacks to go in the first round was five and a half. Yes. The under was the heavy favorite. And the over was uh, the plus because you know you have the five guys that are expected to go for sure, but but they're not sure if there'll be a six one taken there with, with Kellen Mond or Kyle Trask. Well, one of the things I'm also seeing is the various individual quarterbacks, and one that caught my eye is Justin Fields because the over under for him is three and a half, 
and that basically stares the 49ers right in the eyes that if they don't draft him, it's going to go over. If they do, it'll go under. Right now, the over is minus 134. Do you know offhand which of these individual player props is getting the most lift? I think, you know, like 80, 90% of the action is going to come on the NFL draft props, you know, just like with most games in the 24, 48 hours, you know, right before uh, day one of the draft. Uh, those, uh, I just saw that they put these out. So they're, they've, they've just been up. Uh, although I did see that William Hill had fields, uh, at four and a half. So maybe, uh, maybe they got some, some action on that, that already moved that number. I'm not sure, not sure. but yeah, I'm not sure about the early action, but, um, yeah. Uh, how many uh, quarterbacks do you, do you think there'll be a six quarterback, uh, or will it just be Lawrence Wilson fields, Lance and Mac Jones, right? Yeah, yeah, I don't think there will be any after that. And uh, I think the deeper you go in the draft, one of the props I saw was over under 15 and a half rounds would there be a quarterback drafted after the 15th and a half round. And I think it was shaded to the no. Uh, it, that's just the way I'm seeing it. I don't know, maybe you're seeing something different. Yeah, I didn't see that one. But uh, but, but I know that the quarterbacks, more quarterbacks go earlier than uh, they usually are, are put on all the mock drafts. Uh, some of the, talking to the bookmakers out here, they they always go with the you know the when in doubt, definitely take uh, more quarterbacks to go and to go early. Hey uh, Todd, we've got about a minute to go, but uh, I want you to share with the folks the importance of how house rules differ here in Las Vegas, and here's what I mean by that. Uh, I want to talk a little baseball tonight, and what I mean is uh, when you look at the totals for the various teams and win totals, and I believe the Dodgers are what one hundred two and a half. Was that yeah, what the total? it was one of the highest ones in, uh, since the ninety late nineties Yankees, right? Ninety eight Yankees. Here's why I bring that up because when I look through the various house rules, what constitutes a full season? I mean, what if there's a bit of a COVID breakout like the Vancouver Canucks had? So I saw one book: one hundred and fifty games constitutes a full season. One had 153 games, and one had 156 games. Now, you'd like to get the full 162, but if you're holding an over ticket on the over of 102.5, you got to go with the book that's got, you know, 156. Talk to the folks about the importance of how house rules differ. Not, Vegas is not one big monolith. Yeah, there's not just uh, standard uniform rules for all the books in the state. They each have their own separate house rules, so... Definitely, if you're going to bet on stuff like that for uh, full season props on, you know, hitting the home runs or, or the win totals on the teams, definitely want to take uh, check each each individual casino sportsbooks house rules and bet accordingly. One of the sports bet, pro sports bets I talked to was just going to bet all unders on uh, the, right. the win totals for that reason because you know some books had it at 150 games minimum. And he fully expected a bunch of games to to be canceled and not made up, and so he was going to bet the unders since since uh, taking out all the extra games would help his cause. He is Todd Dewey of the Las Vegas Review Journal, sports betting writer. Todd, as always, thanks for staying up late. We'll have you on again soon. Thanks a lot, Barry. Have a good night. Thanks, pal. Again, Todd Dewey, sports betting writer, columnist for the Las Vegas Review Journal. Coming up, I'm going to talk about this. San Francisco 49ers moving up to number three, why they did it, what's likely to happen, and the ideology behind it so people can get something to hang their hat on as opposed to a bunch of emotional opinions. But first, well, let's go to the man. 
He'd rather laugh with the sinners and cry with the saints because the sinners are much more fun. It's Bruin Finley with the latest. Oh, thank you, Bernie. Usually I laugh at my own jokes, and that is a horrible start if you want to be a comedian. <laughs> that was good, man. <laughs> thank you so much. Hideki Matsuyama, four birdies and an eagle on 15, a 65 on Saturday as he pole vaults the rest of the field heading into the final round at the Masters. He's got a four-shot lead at 11 under overall, and Matsuyama during the over-hour weather delay on on Saturday, hung out in his car, fiddled around on his cell phone, playing video games. In the NBA, the Lakers engulfed the Nets 126-101. to 101. Ben McLemore, Jimmy Riggs, 17 points all in the second half. Dennis Schroeder and Kyrie Irving both got thrown out of this game. The Suns rebuked the Wizards 134-106, to 106, outscoring Washington by 20 points in the third quarter. The Warriors take a 2 by 4 to the Rockets, 125-109. to Steph Curry scoring 23 of his 38 points in the third quarter. And ESPN is reporting that Warriors big man James Wiseman is due an MRI on his right knee after landing on it in this game ungracefully. Ennis Cantor majoring in rebounding with a record 30 of them as the Trailblazers tire out the Pistons 118-103. The Jazz tune down the Kings 128-112. Donovan Mitchell fetching 42 points. That's a season high for him. The 76ers degrade the Thunder 117-83. Joel Embiid 27 points, 9 rebounds. The Dodgers strip down the Nationals 9-5. Chris Taylor booming a 3-run home run. The Diamondbacks body slam the Reds 8-3. Cincy dropping a second game of the season. The Blue Jays emasculate the Angels 15-1. Bo Bichette glowing with 5 RBI. And finally, the Padres digest the Rangers 7-4. Trent Grisham hit that game-changing home run in the seventh that allowed San Diego to pull out the win. Now let's get back to a man who used to play some pro baseball who is now rocking Vegas. It's Bernie Fratto. Well, thank you, Bruin. Great job as always. You're rebounding nicely from that tough loss Saturday night. By the way, you catch Bruin Finley uh, with a great Doug Godley the other day talking some, talking some good shop. I'm Bernie Fratto. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas. We're coming to you live from the Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted. And I want to remind you, Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year. It's amazing because Discover is accepted at 99% of the places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report limitations apply. All right. The 49ers moved up. Let's First of all, let's be clear. The San Francisco 49ers traded up a few days ago, to secure the number three draft slot in the NFL so they could have a choice. Their choice is Justin Fields, Trey Lance, or Mac Jones. I believe it would be Mac Jones. When I was on with Arnie and Aaron a couple weeks ago, I put it at 70%. For what it's worth, currently in Las Vegas, Mac Jones is about plus 200 to be drafted by the 49ers. That puts it at about 65%. Let's also be clear. Drafting in the NFL, I covered 10 of them for the Detroit Lions alone, and I've observed probably 40 of them. It's an inexact science. It's an inexact art. And in and, and the last 50 NFL drafts, there have been a total of 44 quarterbacks that were taken either first, second, or third overall. And the only two to actually win a Super Bowl for the team that drafted them were Troy Aikman and Peyton Manning. Now, I know. That Kyle Shanahan, a guy I respect immensely, and John Lynch, 
another guy I respect immensely. They don't want to screw this up because back in 2017, when they had legends Blaine Gabbert and Colin Kaepernick on their roster, they said, oh, we're all set a quarterback. So we'll just go ahead and pick up C.J. Beathard out of Iowa in the third round, neatly passing up a couple of guys you may have heard of, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Now, they don't want to have that happen again. Now, the reality of it is that Mac Jones fits Kyle Shanahan's system like a glove. All right? Look at Kyle Shanahan's history. He wants two things out of his quarterback. Accuracy and good decision-making. Quarterback is a position you play with your eyes. You receive the ball. You make mental snapshots based on recognition. And you execute. In other words, make your read progressions. Distribute the ball based on what the best option is for you on that specific play. In his history, Kyle Shanahan has been a fabulous quarterback whisperer, in my view. He did wonders with RG3. Yet, while he was with Washington, they still drafted Kirk Cousins. Hey, Matt Ryan threw for a career-high 38 touchdowns against only seven interceptions under Shanahan's tutelage. They got to the Super Bowl. Jimmy G, well, his record under Shanahan is 24 and 9. And by the way, not for nothing. When Jimmy G doesn't start, the 49ers were 7 and 19. When Jimmy G played, they averaged a little over 28 points a game. When Garoppolo didn't play, the Niners averaged only 21 points a game. Their point differential was plus 7 when Jimmy Garoppolo played and minus four a uh, little over about four and a half points when Jimmy G didn't play. Kyle Shanahan simply wants his quarterback to run his offense. He doesn't want the guy to be a whirling dervish, some improvisational freelancer. Okay, Shanahan quit in Cleveland because management wanted him to start Johnny Manziel. He said, not no, hell no. And now you know why. The bottom line, there are horses for courses when it comes to the NFL, and quarterbacks and coaches and systems. And Mac Jones is a very good fit for Kyle Shanahan's system. That's undeniable. And I don't know why people are losing their mind this could possibly happen. Now, I get if there was another team in the number three slot, you know, Miami, you name it, there's a whole host of teams, we wouldn't be talking about this. But we're talking about this as a context. Let's contextualize this. This is Kyle Shanahan. This is the 49ers. And by the way, stop acting like Mac Jones is some dad bod loser who's not an athlete. Okay, he's not a brilliant run-and-jump athlete. But what if I told you he had a faster 40 time on his pro day than Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Daniel Jones? And who cares about that anyway? Here's what you should care about. Mac Jones fits the mold of a successful Shanahan quarterback because he makes all the right passes. He's very accurate and intermediate throws. He throws a beautiful deep ball. There's a reason he completed almost 78% of his passes at Bama. 41 TDs, intercepted just four times. As I said, Kyle Shanahan does not want an improvisational freelancer under center. He wants a guy to simply run his offense, which uses passes to complement the run and vice versa better than anybody. Now, having said all that, there's still a chance he could draft Justin Fields. I love Justin Fields. Big guy, 6'3", 225. I think he's a great leader, and I bet he has an outstanding work ethic. And he's a, not only a leader, leadership is influenced based on trust. He has the trust of his teammates. And his 
personality and his leadership is based in spirituality. He's going to have a very good NFL career. I just don't think he's the same fit in Shanahan's system as Mac Jones is. And as I said, Jimmy G is still going to start next year. I just told you what his record was. So it's not like Mac Jones is going to be handing the keys of cars, the keys to the car week one. And, and just so everybody is clear, when the NFL draft gets closer, the scrutiny gets more daunting. The spotlight gets worse. The magnifying glass gets bigger. The only thing you can question Justin Fields on is the fact that he probably doesn't have the same kind of recognition at this point that Mac Jones has. His ball placement is good, but I've heard sometimes he likes to wait till his receivers open to release the ball. Can't do that in the NFL. But that's all not necessarily all his fault either. See, because due to the system at Ohio State, the offensive structure, well, that didn't really allow Fields to run a variety of NFL passing concepts. The Buckeyes play a simplistic offense. And this is where Fields reads the first option, and if the pass isn't there, he has the autonomy to take off and run. Kyle Shanahan doesn't do that. There'll be more on this later, and I'm sure the next week ahead, there'll be more people's heads exploding by the mere fact that the 49ers would consider drafting Mac Jones third overall. All right, coming up. You know him. You love him. You can't live without him. We're going to chop it up, talk about the Masters tomorrow. Mackenzie Rivers with Macadon Sports. So keep it locked right here. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted. So don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! One of the best in the business, Bernie Fratto. Yeah, back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. And before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles. That would be Bruin Finley, Chris Perfett, and Ryan Bershinger. Guys do a great job. Really appreciate all that you do. It's not just during the show. It's not just before the show. They do a lot of work behind the scenes during the week so we can bring this Fine entertainment to a grateful nation. And also, before we get to Mackinac Sports very quickly, a moment of silence for the great Earl Simmons, also known as DMX. Come on, man. You can't tell me you didn't love it when he was rocking it. You all going to make me lose my mind about Mac Jones. All right. I digress. <laughs> you know him, you love him, you can't live without him. It's that time of the week. Mackie, uh, Sports, you make me lose my mind. I can't, I'm tripping over my tongue. Say hello to Mackenzie Rivers. Mackenzie, this is interesting because there might only be one time we talk about golf all year. However, this might be the one, and you've come up with some really good stuff tonight. That's right. It's the Masters weekend, by far the biggest bet golf tournament here in Las Vegas. And we're going to give it to you, Bernie. We're going to give it to you. Now, I love the Masters tournament for a lot of different reasons. It takes us back to the 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 arrival of spring every March and April. But this is perfectly set up, Bernie. It's a bar bet. It's Matsuyama, four-stroke lead versus the field with Luminary standing right behind him, Spieth, Rose, and who I think has, has the best shot of taking him down, the Australian Taiwanese wonder, Jander Shoffley. So, <laughs> now, speaking of Matsuyama... This is, it was such a millennial moment, that one moment in time where, you, where we're more than we thought we could be. Whitney he's, Houston he's, just he, uh, gave you a wink and a nod there. Continue. <laughs> he's, right, he's right in the thick of things. And 
he gets a smile from the great beyond. Everything gets rained out. He's stuck in his car. He's playing Candy Crush. He's doing us what millennials do, a little Madden mobile probably. And he comes out and he has the he has the hour and a half of his life. He, he, he shoots a 30 on the back nine, six under, eagle, birdie, birdie, birdie. I just don't think that's sustainable. I think he had that one moment where everything suited up for him. The greens were all perfectly toasty for him. And he had that moment in his life, but I don't think it continues tomorrow. I like okay. the field to overtake Matsuyama. Let's start to unpack this because now you're you're delving into the journalistic aspect of this, which is what I like because playing with the lead on day four, okay, it didn't happen in the Masters. You can insert your own Greg Norman joke here. <laughs> he's He's got a four-stroke lead, not insurmountable, all right? Let's talk about some of the guys in his rearview mirror and what their odds are and who you, who you might like. Justin Rose came out storming of the gate. He's been dealing with back problems, but he looked great Thursday. The leader, minus seven. He's been even since. He's two, strack, he's two back. He's nine to one to win it. Then I mentioned him, Jander Shoffley. That would be my best bet for Sunday. He's five to one to win it. Will Zalatorius. He's 24 years old, the young phenom. He's made one majors appearance in his life, and he's finished top 10. He's about to make it two for two tomorrow. Will Zalatoris hasn't been done since Tiger. Two top 10 finishes before the age of 25. A guy to look out for. And then Jordan Spieth, talking about young phenoms. He actually won this tournament at 21. He went wire to wire in 2015. He's two back. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a murderer's row right behind Matsuyama. It'll, it'll be a great down-to-the-wire finish, in my opinion. All right, we're going to switch gears in just a second, but I'm going to put you on the spot because, as I said, a four-stroke lead is substantial but not insurmountable. As Hyman Roth once said in The Godfather about killing Michael Corleone, difficult but not impossible. So I'm going to put, your, I'm going to put a gun to your head. Does Matsuyama hold on tomorrow or does somebody catch him? I think somebody catches him. I think that experience of having a one-hour-and-a-half session of perfect golf, I think that's going to weigh on him because he knows it's not going to be perfect tomorrow. I think that's tough mentally. I think he falls back to the pack, Matsuyama. All right, Mackenzie, we just got a couple minutes left. Uh, let's talk about your wheelhouse because uh, rumor has it you, know, you may uh, be related to Kyle Shanahan. That's and true. let's talk about the 49ers, and let's talk about uh, – I know you've been listening to the show – uh, what are your thoughts about my postulate about the fact that I think it's a high probability the Niners draft Mac Jones and why? And talk about it from an analytical standpoint, uh, which is what uh, your specialty is. I find myself in two minds. I'm looking at Mac Jones, and I see, well, he's from Alabama. We've seen quarterbacks from dominant programs like Alabama and Ohio State not quite live up to the hype once they make it to the NFL stage. But I think you nailed it during your segment. Perfect accuracy, great mobility. If not, you know, Lamar Jackson, at least Patrick Mahomes level speed. That's what I think the modern NFL requires, actually. You got to be able to move at least like Justin Herbert was. But here's the thing. Here's what I keep coming back to. All the 49ers move have been done in silence. You look at the Garoppolo trade, the trade for Trent Williams, the trade for number three. Not a word about it to anybody. Not a Schefter leak. Woj wasn't involved. There was very, very little noise about it. And now this Mac Jones thing, Chris Sims, great friend of Kyle Shanahan, Adam Schefter, closely related to the Shanahans. They're so out in front about it, it, it makes my ears raise up. I don't think that they would be so out in front if it was a slam dunk that they were picking Mac Jones. What do you think? I, I'm in agreement. And when people come on the air and say, oh, there's chicanery. No, they're at number three. They can do what they want. They were never going to get uh, Trevor Lawrence, and they don't care about Zach uh, 
Jones. Right. So the, right. the the bottom line is, I think that's where they're headed. It makes sense. And uh, McKenzie, you only got about ten seconds, but I would just say this: he doesn't have to step in and grab the keys to the car. Jimmy G is still going to be the starter next year. Absolutely right. Twenty four and nine as a starter for the 49ers. Not something you walk away from, unless he course gets injured in week three, like he always does. But we'll, All right, we'll, that's we'll when it comes to it. That is Mackinac Sports. Catch him every week at this time slot. That's going to do it for this week's edition. Off straight out of Vegas, thanks so much to Todd Dewey, sports writer of the Las Vegas Review-Journal, for coming on. I'm Bernie Fratto. Next up, it's Jason Martin. Keep it locked right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas!